to get out the vote efforts concern us, especially if everybody uh, uses and exercises their right to vote. Um, did he say what I think he just said? Yes, he did. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something right. No, it is not. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the From middle. From Pacifica with Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and in Cottage Grove on KSO. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, in Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me. From bradblog.com, thank you very much for joining us today for another thrilling episode of what we call the Bradcast, which is uh, moving and changing very quickly, even as we go to air Uh, News coming out right now that the U.S. is planning sanctions on a number of uh, Saudi Arabians following the uh, murder, the assassination of Washington Post columnist Jamal Khashoggi, which Donald Trump, the president of the United States, just a few minutes prior to that, described as um, the worst cover up in the history of cover ups. And boy, Desi Doyen, does he know his cover-ups. Gosh, you know, he's my first place to turn to for history and facts and news and stuff. And covering stuff up, which is what he's (laughs) done, which is what he is good at, frankly. Yes, this is true. So uh, he knows what he's talking about there, I guess. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo just minutes ago at the the State Department at a uh, press briefing. uh, Had this to say about what the U.S. will be doing against uh, some of these Saudis. The State Department will continue to seek all relevant facts, consult with Congress, and work with other nations, and work to hold accountable those responsible for the killing of Jamal Khashoggi. The administration is also taking appropriate actions now, given the information currently available to the United States. We have identified at least some of the individuals responsible, including those in the intelligence services, the royal court, the foreign ministry, and other Saudi ministries who we suspect to have been involved in Mr. Khashoggi's death. We are taking appropriate actions, which include revoking visas, entering visa lookouts, and other measures. We are also working with the Treasury Department to review the applicability of global Magnitsky sanctions to those individuals. 
These penalties will not be the last word on this matter from the United States. We will continue to explore additional measures to hold those responsible uh, accountable. Well, I hope so. It only took a week or so, and uh, one cover-up after another cover-up after another cover-up that uh, didn't pass the laugh test for the U.S. to finally take some action. The action, for now, they're taking away their visas. Good thing they only chopped up a journalist. Had they crossed the uh, U.S. border and legally asked for asylum, they might have been separated from their children and jailed for months. So, you know, there's that. Uh, We'll keep our eyes on that as that moves forward or does not. Uh, It also looks like uh, we have found that angry, violent left wing mob that Republicans have been warning us about so much during this election season. Federal authorities believe that an explosive device found Monday in a mailbox at the New York home of George Soros, the billionaire philanthropist who has been a focus of right wing critics and conspiracy theorists, was left there by someone and was not delivered by the Postal Service, according to several law enforcement officials who spoke to the New York Times on Tuesday. The device was constructed from a length of pipe about six inches long, filled with explosive powder, and was proactively detonated by bomb squad technicians. This was not a threat. This was an actual bomb that was left at the home of George Soros, Uh, who has, of course, been villainized by the right for many years. Soros, who made his fortune in finance and is now a full-time philanthropist and political activist, is often the subject of the ire of right-wing groups, says the Times. One of those right-wing groups, by the way, is Fox News, who has been targeting George Soros as some sort of mastermind villain for years, controlling the entire left. Funding the entire left. (laughs) I have yet to hear from Mr. Soros. Uh, Another one of those uh, right wing groups are the ones who have been uh, including uh, Soros in Republican campaign ads this year that are decidedly anti-Semitic. In recent days, the uh, Time notes some have falsely speculated and not speculated. They have charged that Soros has funded a caravan of migrants who are moving north in Mexico towards the U.S. border. Investigators had photographed this this pipe bomb package before detonating the device, and the images reviewed by the U.S. postal inspectors uh, concluded that the markings on the envelope were likely intended to make it appear as though the package was sent through the mail, though they believed it was not. The inspectors, according to the officials, uh, also interviewed the mail carrier on that route who did not recall delivering such a package. So this thing was delivered in person, and uh, they're checking now to uh, look at uh, surveillance cameras to see if they can figure out who left this this bomb at George Soros's house. Two FBI Joint Terrorism Task Force squads that handled domestic terrorism Uh, Cases were involved in the investigation, according to the paper. So, um, yeah, the violent mobs we've heard so much about. uh, Well, I guess they uh, hold nothing against these uh, right wing terrorists, presumably right wing terrorists. I'm not sure what uh, any uh, Democrats or folks on the left, why they would want to leave a bomb at George Soros's house. But um, 
there's your uh, there's your angry mobs. Soros, of course, became a uh, political donor in uh, in the U.S. during the George W. Bush presidency. He spent millions backing John Kerry's unsuccessful bid uh, to deny Bush a second term. He was an early uh, an early backer of Barack Obama and his uh, t- 2008 presidential campaign. He contributed more than 25 million to Hillary Clinton and many other Democratic candidates and causes during the 2016 election cycle. Now, $25 million, that sounds like a lot of money. What the New York Times does not note is that he spends a lot less money than uh, his spending uh, pales, frankly, in comparison to the millionaires and billionaires on the right, the folks like the Koch brothers and their network and billionaire casino magnate Sheldon Adelson. Last week, we noted on this show that Adelson, according to um, FEC filings last week, funneled nearly $35 million into the GOP coffers in recent months alone. So, you know, if you compare it to the $25 million that he gave to Hillary and a whole bunch of that Soros gave to Hillary, a whole bunch of other Democratic candidates and causes during the entirety of the 2016 election, well, that pales in comparison to Sheldon Adelson alone, who gave $35 million in just recent months, which brings Adelson's spending up to $90 million on GOP candidates and causes so far this cycle. And this is only a midterm election, not even a presidential election. Uh, Adelson has given $10 million to Trump's super PAC, $12 million to a campaign to unseat Democratic Montana U.S. Senator John Tester. Just that one can one campaign alone. But, you know, Soros is the villain here if you follow right wing wingnut media. Now, I don't like the idea that anybody, any one person on any side is able to uh, corrupt American elections to this extent. But this idea that uh, the right has been pushing and scaring their followers with that Soros is some sort of uh, mastermind who controls everyone who is not a Republican and must be stopped. Well, uh, we got an idea of uh, of what that results in uh, today. Soros's activism has made him a villain to conservative groups and the target of anti-Semitic smears. Roseanne Barr called him a Nazi. <laughs> In an infamous tweet storm, despite the fact that he um, escaped the Nazis as a child, Soros's uh, name has become a trigger for a subset of Republicans and conservatives. The Times says uh, he has said, however, that his main goal as a political activist was to see a return of bipartisanship. He said it was the extremism of the Republican Party that prompted him to start supporting Democrats, but that he was also opposed to the extreme left. And he notes, I don't particularly want to be a Democrat. But yes, Soros is the evil villain and Democrats are the angry mob that the Republicans uh, tell us falsely about uh, because, you know, frightening their voters with false claims about evil Jewish masterminds and brown hordes of immigrants and terrorists invading our border to vote in this year's election somehow and and to kill us all i guess apparently that's the only way that republicans uh, can get can can hoax their voters into uh, coming out to the polls 
particularly given the GOP's failure at actually governing in a way that actually helps those same Americans. Anyway, coming up a bit later, uh, Desi Doyen and your Green News Report to cheer us all up. (laughs) Doing my best. With uh, more hurricanes coming New heat records for the planet and uh, maybe some uh, some some good news, maybe as more and more candidates are now being asked about climate change during recent debates. That's a change from previous years. It's a huge change. One of those uh, folk, uh, one of those debates was between Florida's Democratic gubernatorial candidate Andrew Gillum and his Republican opponent. Congressman Ron DeSantis uh, in the Sunshine State that now seems to be uh, increasingly concerned about climate change. I'm very happy to see this. And and not because not only because they got slammed two weeks ago from this hurricane, uh, Hurricane Michael, but also because more and more property owners, I think, in South Florida are starting to notice that uh, their yards are flooding, even on sunny days, for some odd reason. Yeah, and that's because of sea level rise, which is also beginning to impact their groundwater supplies because the sea is moving in from underneath. Uh, Florida is quite porous, so that's a problem. But also, much more immediately, there's the red tide problem on one side of the state and the blue-green algae problem on the other side of the state. Two different kinds of algae, toxic, stinky, kills lots of fish, destroys the tourism industry, and also uh, causes people, I think they said lifeguards have to wear gas masks because the fumes are so bad. Jesus, really? Yes. So Senator Ben So they can't even go out on their famous beaches anymore in Florida. Yes, that's right. So Senator Nelson in Florida, um, that's Bill Nelson, I mean, who's uh, racing, running against Rick Scott, who Mm -hmm. wants that Senate seat. Uh, Nelson has started calling him Red Tide Rick. Because of all the deregulation and failure that uh, Rick, that Rick Scott has failed to act on these red tide and blue green algae tides, that's actually pretty good. Red yes. tide, Rick. Yeah, that sounds like something a Republican would come up with to use against a Democrat. Uh, good for Bill Nelson. Red tide, Rick. Uh, so uh, the other Republican denier who is uh, running for office there statewide in uh, in Florida, Ron DeSantis. Um, He has tied himself very closely to Donald Trump. He really does not want to answer any questions on just about anything at this point. We'll have more on his uh, his comments about climate uh, at that uh, debate over the weekend. But here's another question that he was asked on Sunday uh, at this debate between him and Gillum, both running for governor of the state of Florida uh, in this debate that was moderated by CNN's Jake Tapper. Do you think President Trump is a good role model for the children of Florida? Well, Jake, we, my wife and I were poking a little fun at ourselves because of the way that campaign was going. And so here's what I know. Um, you know, I was very passionate about moving our American embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. Andrew opposed that. A couple of months ago, he said it was a mistake. He said we shouldn't recognize Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Every president for 25 years has promised that on the campaign trail. Once in office, they didn't do it. Donald Trump promised it and he followed through with it. And so to me, when you give your word and you follow through with it as an elected official, that is the model that we're supposed to do. He was right to move the embassy uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, I was there uh, for a historic event. Uh, I know Andrew didn't support that and doesn't think that's right, but to me, that was true leadership. I'm confused by the question. The question was whether or not he he, he thinks President Trump is a good role model for the children of Florida. (laughs) That's what I thought originally, I got confused. So, Uh, no, he's not. Uh, Donald Trump is Donald Trump is weak uh, and he performs as all weak people do. They become bullies. Uh, and Mr. DeSantis is his acolyte. Uh, 
Uh, he's uh, trying out to be the Trump apprentice. So that was uh, Andrew Gillum responding to uh, Democrat Andrew Gillum responding to Republican Ron DeSantis, who was supposed to be answering a question about whether Donald Trump is a role model. And this after DeSantis has been running these ads across the state of Florida where he's uh, sitting with his little girl, his toddler uh, daughter, uh, building a wall out of building blocks to make America great again, I guess. And reading to his son from the art of the deal, he's using his children in these ads. As props. Hilarious. And then he's asked about it, and he talks about moving the embassy in Israel to Jerusalem? He was like that during the entire debate. He didn't answer a single question uh, except when he could pivot away to something completely nonsensical and not at all on topic because, you know, he knows that he he doesn't want to tie himself to Trump when he's right there in front of everybody live. And he can't answer any actual question because he's a Republican. And at this point, Republicans would have to well, they can't answer any actual questions because it would reveal the great con they have been carrying out. So, yeah, he didn't want to answer questions on Sunday at the debate. And now uh, the following day on Monday, DeSantis also pulled out of a major interview with the USA Today Network editorial board in Florida. According to the Tallahassee Democrat last night, Uh, Ron DeSantis will not sit down today with the editorial boards of the Tallahassee Democrat and USA Today Network in Florida. A spokesman for the campaign informed the paper on Monday that DeSantis would not be attending the hour-long meeting in Tallahassee with a whole bunch of newspapers that make up the USA Today Network in Florida. This interview was to be broadcast live on Facebook, was Uh to have uh, accepted questions from viewers as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the campaign uh, said that a statement on Monday would be forthcoming, but by late afternoon on Monday, nothing had been sent, according to the paper. DeSantis had agreed last week to this hour-long discussion with editors and readers of the six newspapers that make up the uh, USA Today Network Florida. Gillum Uh, The Democrat will meet with editors unless he cancels it. I don't suspect he will. He's going to meet with those same editors next week. The discussion will be broadcast on Facebook Live on Sunday night. The uh, paper notes DeSantis and Gillum debated in Tampa at a CNN-sponsored event. And minutes before the broadcast, the DeSantis campaign lashed out at the cable network as a fake news organization. Wonder where they picked that up. Uh, they did not like a poll that uh, CNN had uh, showing Gillum up by several points over DeSantis. Uh, Monday's cancellation came two days after Donald Trump, in a tweet of support for DeSantis, referred to Tallahassee as, quote, one of the worst cities in the USA. Uh. Of course, Gillum is the mayor of Tallahassee, so Donald Trump decided to insult the entire city as one of the worsts. In a subsequent tweet, uh, Trump seemed to clarify that Tallahassee was of uh, was one of the quote worst run cities. <laughs> That's what he actually meant when he had his mulligan do over on on Twitter. Uh, A real clear politics average of polls since mid-September puts Gillum up by 3.7 points 
the Real Clear Politics uh, outfit and the Cook Political Report both rate the race as a toss-up, however. Uh, at the same time, the Miami Herald has endorsed Gillum. That was on Sunday. And according to a tally by Florida Politics, Gillum has also been endorsed by the Sun Sentinel, by the Palm Beach Post, by Tampa Bay Times, and by the uh, Orlando Sentinel. Early voting began on Monday in 32 Florida counties. All 67 counties must offer early voting by this Saturday. Uh, So things look theoretically good for the Democrat and uh, the idea that the state of Florida may have a Democratic governor for the first time in years. Since 1994. Yeah, since 1994. Yes. However, this is Florida. And this is we are now less than two weeks away from the uh, election day. That is forever in Donald Trump time. Anything can change. And because it's Florida, even the results can change before anybody is ever able to even look at the results to make sure they were reported correctly in the first place. So anyone out there who is uh, feeling good about these elections coming up in two weeks, I would urge you to think again. We'll take a quick break here and explain just some of the reasons why, uh, including some new audio. Uh, We played a little bit right at the top of the show there. Just released today from a secretary of state who is really, really worried that voters in his state may actually come out to vote this year. God forbid. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. But we need your help to do it, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today. That's bradblog.com donate And thanks. Yes, keep it down, Brian Kemp. What were you thinking? Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. He said the uh, the secret quiet parts. He said that out loud. Yeah. I don't know what he was thinking there. Brian Kemp, the uh, Georgia Secretary of State and the Republican nominee for governor of Georgia, expressed at a ticketed donor campaign event that his Democratic opponent, Stacey Abrams, voter turnout operation continues, quote, continues to concern us, especially if everybody uses and exercises their right to vote. That, according to audio that was obtained by Rolling Stone and published today, um, the event for donors was held last Friday at, uh, appropriately enough, a place called the Blind Pig Parlor Bar. Okie dokie. In Atlanta. Uh, this was uh, not long after he uh, began his remarks. Uh, Kemp expressed worry about early voting in the state of Georgia and, quote, the literally tens of millions of dollars that they, 
the Abrams camp are putting behind the get out the vote effort to their base. God forbid they're running in an election. God forbid they should, you know, put money into getting out the vote and hoping the voters vote for them. Kemp then asserted that much of the Abrams effort is focused on (gasps) absentee ballot requests. Here's the key quote from the uh, 20 minutes or so of audio uh, that was reportedly recorded at the event. Secretary of State Brian Kemp. And as worried as we were going into the start of early voting with the literally tens of millions of dollars that they are putting behind to get out the vote efforts for their base, a lot of that with absentee ballot requests, they have just an unprecedented number of that, which is something that continues to concern us, especially if everybody uh, uses and exercises their right to vote, which they absolutely can, and mails those ballots in. we got to have heavy turnout to offset that. We would hate the idea if they exercise their right to vote, their, exercise their right to vote in a Democratic election. Now, if Brian Kemp were just a gubernatorial candidate, uh, you know, those concerns, uh, those statements, uh, that might seem, you know, that would be unseemly, but not entirely unexpected. Uh, but he also happens to be the state's chief election official at the same time. The same time that he's out there talking about we're concerned that everybody may use their right to vote as secretary of state saying that here he is expressing, um, you know, concern that God forbid voters do that. Oh, then we'll be in trouble. So really, uh, you know, it should be a surprise to nobody, of course, uh, because this is a guy who has purged more than 600,000 voters from the voting rolls last year alone. Say that again. Those numbers again. 600,000 voters last year alone and millions, by the way, in the years, in the eight years that he has been serving as uh, secretary of state, the chief election official in Georgia. He's also placed more than 50,000 New registrations in suspension this year because they fail an exact match requirement. So if even one letter or one hyphen or one period is off in your name, whether it's your fault uh, or an official's fault who happened to type it into a database, if your name does not match exactly, if you use a middle initial instead of the full middle name on one or the other on your driver's license or your Social Security database, then your name will be flagged and it could possibly keep you from voting normally. Seventy percent of those flagged voters also just happen to be from African Americans in Georgia. So none of this should really be a surprise, nor should it be a surprise that he has fought like hell for years to keep the state's totally unsecure, wildly hackable, 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting system in place across the entire state of Georgia. We would hate for anybody to be able to exercise their right to vote and then, oh, no, have their votes actually counted as cast in a way that we can all know that those votes have been counted as cast. We'd have to stop that. Kemp's opponent, Stacey Abrams, uh, she has been, by the way, a voting rights champion for years, literally helping tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of Georgians to sign up and register to vote for the first time. Uh, She has been fighting directly against Kemp over his habit of blocking registrations and purging voters for years. Anyway, if she is successful in Georgia this year, she would be the nation's first African-American female governor 
if, if, and it remains a big if, if she wins in the state of Georgia. On Tuesday morning, according to Rolling Stone, a member of the Kemp campaign confirmed that, yes, that's this event where Kemp is heard saying these things, that it took place. But the campaign did not respond to multiple requests from Rolling Stone for comments about these specific remarks. On Monday evening, a Facebook page for the event was removed from public view for some reason, once again at the Blind Pig Parlor. American public media reported last week that Kemp has also purged an estimated 107,000 voters last year simply because... They didn't vote in the prior election. So uh, that would be the use it or lose it law that Republicans are now uh, using all over the country since they got the uh, thumbs up to do so earlier this year after the uh, state of Ohio was brought to court. John Houston, uh, the Republican secretary of state who has been using this scheme and now other uh, other secretaries of state are doing it as well. If you don't vote in one Federal election, whether a, f- a presidential election or a midterm election, they can begin to remove you from the rolls. And uh, reportedly, Brian Kemp has done that to more than 100,000 voters in the state of Florida last year. He's also being sued for leaving more than six million Georgia voting records open to hacking. And one other reason that Kemp's right to vote line is um Potentially alarming, says Rolling Stone, is that he is facing another lawsuit after reports that an abnormal number of absentee ballots, more than a third of the state's total, have been rejected in the state's most racially diverse county. That would be Gwinnett County. We've been uh, talking about that issue over the past week or two as well. Uh, He's also being sued by the Georgia Muslim Voter Project and the Asian American Advancing Justice uh, Group. In Atlanta, they filed suit last Monday to request that three days be provided after the election for rejected voters to resolve matters so that their ballots may count. The Coalition for Good Governance is also suing Brian Kemp. The uh, Civil Rights, uh, uh, the uh, uh, Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights under law is also suing. So, you know, and this guy is running for governor in the state in an election that he is overseeing as the secretary of state despite all of these problems for so many years reached for comment abigail colazzo director of strategic communications for the abrams campaign said quote brian kemp is barely trying to hide the shameful fact that his strategy is to win through voter suppression the idea that he as secretary of state would be concerned that hardworking Georgians are exercising their right to vote is disgraceful and outrageous. She also uh, echoed her campaign's earlier calls for Kemp to step down from his role as Secretary of State while he's running for governor. She said Kemp should resign immediately so that Georgians can be sure the election will be administered in an impartial and competent manner. Not that they would uh, be sure of that, even if he stepped down, given uh, Georgia's atrocious electoral system. And also remember his staff, who I'm sure are quite loyal to him, are still there running the election and Mm -hmm. still have all the passwords and all the keys. Yep. 
And of course, who knows? It's Georgia. So who knows if the results are accurately reported because, you know, 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting system. So uh, let's hope this isn't a close race, frankly, one way or another. All right. uh, Some more voting news, election news today, of course. Uh, So Donald Trump's rally with Ted Cruz in Houston on Monday night, uh, that got a whole bunch of coverage. Uh, The bulk of coverage, frankly, I think, in the corporate media. But something else of note seemed to be going on on Monday in Houston and elsewhere around Texas. It was the first day of early voting in uh, Desi's great home state. (laughs) Yes. Um, The Houston Chronicle described what happened as, quote, shocking in their headline. Thousands of people were already camped out at a key early voting location in Houston on Monday morning, hours before voting was even set to begin. Nearly 2,000 people stood in line outside of the Metropolitan Multi-Service Center in a scene that looked more like a Black Friday shopping event. Uh, in, In fact, people were camping out all night in order to vote on the first day of early voting. Cody Pogue is quoted uh, by the uh, Chronicle. She arrived at 8.30 p.m. on Sunday to make sure that, uh, that's a he, to make sure that he would be one of the first people to cast a ballot for Democratic U.S. Senate candidate Beto O'Rourke. He's quoted as saying, this is one of the most important elections of our, this is, yeah, this is one of the most important elections of our lifetimes. One of? I'm trying to think what would be. (laughs) Anyway, uh, Karen Bard, who was in line for more than an hour before the polls opened, said she does not normally vote in midterm elections, but uh, Democratic uh, Senate candidate Beto O'Rourke changed her mind about that. She said, it's not about me. It's about my kids. On Sunday, Ted Cruz, the Republican incumbent, brought in Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott for a rally in Houston in hopes of boosting GOP turnout. That was on Sunday before the uh, rally with Donald Trump on Monday. Donald Trump, who, by the way, you'll recall, called Ted Cruz lying Ted, said his wife was ugly, said his his, uh, father was somehow involved in the JFK assassination. Then Ted Cruz uh, went begging for Donald Trump to show up and do a rally in Texas because that's how desperate Ted Cruz apparently is right now. Cruz told the uh, the crowd on Sunday that there, quote, are a whole bunch of national Democrats that want to turn Texas into California. Scary, right? I know. Who would want to have all these jobs and great weather? This and is what they're doing. Biggest to... economy in the United States. Yeah. Uh, this, uh, this is what Ted, uh, not just Ted Cruz has been doing. They're doing it down in Florida. Donald Trump has been doing it, going to war, essentially, against California like it's terrible. And you know what? If that keeps them out of my state, I'm cool <laughs> with that. Stay home, Mr. Cruz. Uh, Greg Abbott said despite National Democrats wanting to turn Texas blue, he is convinced that Cruz will prevail. Cruz is currently up in polling averages by several points. Uh, Abbott said Ted Cruz is going to win because Beto is hostile, hostile to Texas values, hostile to Texas values. He doesn't just disagree with him on policy. He's actually hostile. He hates Texas. 
This is the kind of language that they're using. No wonder George Soros ends up with a pipe bomb in his mailbox. Uh, O'Rourke, meanwhile, objected to the partisan undertones at that uh, Sunday rally from Abbott and Cruz in an interview with the Houston Chronicle on Sunday night. uh, He said that this election is not about uh, Texas being red or or blue. O'Rourke said, who cares about the partisan color of Texas? I could give a damn about what party you are in. Good for him. I mean, Texas used to be quite, quite, uh, quite blue up until about 1994. That was the last time that a Democrat held the governor's office. And Richards, I am so happy mm-hmm. to say I got to vote for her. Um, but the uh, yeah, it's 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 just been a, a an influx and a switchover that I think has a lot to do more with gerrymandering and with photo ID restrictions and the Texas legislature finding all kinds of ways to suppress the vote rather than there being a very strong red tide in in Texas. I think it has to do with lying to their voters. Period. End of story. The right-wing media, Fox News, the local media lying over and over again. Uh, This is why Republicans don't want to talk. They don't want to answer questions. They don't want to talk to voters. They don't want to be called out for their years and years of lies. I don't know if they will have caught up with them uh, by this year or not in Texas. We'll see. Um, but uh, a lot of people would really like to see this happen. Yes, and I just want to make one quick note about the uh, huge turnout for early voting, mm-hmm. and that is as that is awesome, but one Twitter commenter, Mike Cornoyer, mm-hmm. said, quote, it's always frustrating that these sorts of stories about long lines or camping out, in this case, written as if they're inspiring stories of civic engagement rather than damning evidence of an incredibly flawed election system that makes it way too hard for people to vote. And I'm, yep, getting to exactly that point, because it's not only Houston uh, that was having these uh, huge crowds turned out. Reportedly, it was a record first day midterm turnout was happening all over Texas. Uh, AP notes that uh, it took Harris County, that's that's Houston, uh, less than six hours to set the opening day record for early voting in uh, in a midterm with more than 36,000 votes cast. That exceeded the 26,000 ballots that were cast in 2010. In Dallas County, uh, they almost surpassed uh, the numbers uh, that for a, a presidential race. Dallas County Judge Clay Jenkins said 42,000 people had voted by 4.30 p.m. on Monday and that they might have been able to exceed the early voting turnout on the first day for the presidential election in 2016 in Travis County, home to Austin, the state's capital. Officials said that uh, more than 36,000 people cast early ballots by 4 p.m. on Monday. That nearly doubles the first day totals from the last midterms in 2014 in Tarrant County, which includes Fort Worth. Uh, They exceeded 37,000 votes. That would be triple the first day early voting turnout for 2014. Huge numbers. At one polling place in Plano, uh, which is a a suburb north of Dallas, the wait in line to vote early Monday was about 30 minutes. And that was a short line compared to reports elsewhere. So, yeah, while Democrats, they may be excited about these numbers, But I would agree with that guy on Twitter, whoever that was. These are not necessarily a good thing. Uh, For one, Republican enthusiasm is reportedly very high as well. So these are not necessarily only Democrats turning out in a state like Texas. Uh, And frankly, back in 2016, we saw a lot of reports of big early voting turnout 
in a number of states that did not end well for Democrats for whatever reason. And frankly, the thing that really irritates me is that it should not take this long to vote. Um, you know, as one state party chairman told me on the phone earlier today, uh, this is early voting for crying out loud. Suggesting that officials have, you know, maybe underestimated the number of workers and equipment that is needed and that they may not be prepared for what is actually going to happen on Election Day when the numbers are going to be much, much higher. This is a very serious concern, and I can only hope that election officials are paying attention. This is not and again, not just Texas, by the way, this is happening in a lot of states, a lot of southern states. Uh, Democratic U.S. Congressman uh, Joaquin Castro of San Antonio uh, held a news conference to complain about a lack of polling station personnel and, as AP describes it, computer glitches Hmm. that were adding to the wait times at several local voting stations in the area. Castro also complained that voting machines in some areas provide no paper record of ballots cast. (laughs) Suddenly yes. he's yes. I'm. Thank you for noticing, Congressman, Mr. Castro. Welcome to the party. Just a decade or so late. Uh, meanwhile, according to a, a Daily Coast blogger from uh, Houston, in an item headlined "Something's Different," uh, uh, Lyle Ross is his name. He said, "I live in Houston, and early voting started today. I drove to, down to the local Fiesta." to cast my ballot, and lo and behold, there was an hour-long line. Fiesta, is that grocery uh, store? I think that's a grocery store in Texas. It uh, is. It is a grocery store, yes. I've been, uh, because they actually vote at grocery stores in Texas, I have come to learn. (laughs) Uh, He said, I have been voting at the local Fiesta for 20 years. I've never, ever seen more than three folks early vote there. He says, yes, on the rare occasion when I voted the day of the election, I've seen lines at the polling locations in my neighborhood, but even those were shorter than this line. He adds, now it's entirely possible that the redneck racists voting Trump were there because they think this is going to make them richer and that they have come out early. He says, but I'm hoping that this is just normal folks, normal meeting, not sociopaths voting for Trump because they like the biggest bully in the room but because they are sick of Trump and his white nationalist friends. He adds, however, the battle is on. He says he saw a plane towing a sign over the interstate uh, downtown over the weekend. It was a no Beto sign. Don't vote in a socialist, it read. Wow. Remember talking about how they're lying to their uh, people? Yes. These are socialists. Beto O'Rourke is a he's a communist. I don't know why they didn't say he's a communist. Why don't they say he eats babies and strips puppies He's a live terrorist. or something? I mean, yes. Why hold back, Republicans? Uh, anyway, uh, he says uh, th- these folks really have lost it. Well, they may have lost it, but that may be enough to get them out to vote. And as I said, it's not just Texas where early voting numbers appear to be way up from the last midterms uh, back in 2014. In the first few days of voting in Nevada, where Democrats are hoping to unseat Republican incumbent Senator Dean Heller, with uh, replace him with Democratic uh, candidate Jackie Rosen. Uh, the Nevada Independent's John Ralston said on his early voting blog that, uh, that the numbers from the first few days, several days of early voting, suggest that Nevada could see turnout as high as 75% of a presidential election. 
But he also notes that while Democratic turnout is way up, apparently, Republican turnout also appears to be way up as a percentage of their registration rates in both Democratic-leaning Clark County, which is Las Vegas, and the uh, swing county of Washoe, which is uh, Reno, where Republicans have about a 2% registration advantage up there. Uh, But Democrats seem to be outpacing that number so far. He notes that Republican absentee voting, on the other hand, in Nevada is outpacing Democrats big time as of right now. Meanwhile, in Georgia, this is the Georgia cast after all, (laughs) uh, in Georgia with the hotly uh, contested race for governor between uh, the Republican Secretary of State Brian Kemp and uh, champion vote suppressor Brian Kemp against uh, Democratic African-American nominee Stacey Abrams. Michael McDonald of the University of Florida, uh, their U.S. elections project, has uh, he's been reporting since early voting started last week that numbers are way, way up and closer to those seen in presidential elections. But uh, as I recall, in the last actual presidential election, in Georgia, Democrats, specifically in Georgia, were quite excited about these early voting numbers being way up. And it played into their hopes that Georgia would finally turn so-called blue. But it did not, at least according to the state's 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems, uh, which, by the way, are not unlike the 100 percent unverifiable touchscreen voting systems used in Nevada as well. Which were uh, which were certified unlawfully and illegally by their secretary of state at the time, a man by the name of Dean Heller, who is now uh, hanging on for his life uh, in his reelection bid as senator as U.S. senator. In the state of Nevada. So uh, make of these early voting numbers uh, what you will. They're being reported quite a bit in the media, uh, not unlike pre-election polling. Uh, But my advice would be to ignore it. Uh, Pretty much ignore everything I just told you about, I guess. Uh, And vote like this is the most important election you have ever lived through. Because it is. Cameron Joseph points out over at TPM in a profile, I don't have time to get to it, but uh, a, a look at uh, you know how it's going for the House and the Senate and who may end up controlling it, Republicans or Democrats. He notes there are a ton of margin of error races right now across the map in both the House and the Senate races. He says giving either party a real chance at a very big election night with even a minor change in the national mood in the next two weeks or a minor shift in the electorate from what pollsters are currently expecting. So again, I I don't know if the pollsters have got it right. I don't care if they've got it right. Uh, All of the voter suppression that we are seeing, uh, all of the new laws that have been put in place by Republicans. The dirty tricks that are coming out that we're hearing more and more about now. Yep. Uh, And uh, we had some good news. I'm not going to have time for it uh, because we've got to get to the Green News report here. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Uh, Coming out of New Hampshire, uh, where a judge blocked a controversial law that would make it much more difficult for students to vote. Uh, So we've got some good news there. But I'm telling you, looking at uh, what uh, the actual poll results, it is close everywhere. You should take absolutely nothing for granted between now and now. And November 6th 
as I say, vote like your life depended on it, because it actually does, as Desi Doyen will no doubt underscore (laughs) once again in her latest Green News report. That's coming up next after this quick break. I am Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. So when does um, when does hurricane season officially end anyway, does it? Um, if I remember correctly, it ends on November 30th for both the Atlantic and the Pacific the, basins. The end of November. So yes. we're not even close. Just in case oh, no. anybody thought uh, hurricane season was over after all the lashing we have been taking. As a matter of fact, uh, there are so many new hurricanes Tri- uh, typhoons, cyclones, I guess they're all tropical cyclones, right? Yeah, spinning around uh, the world. Yeah, so that we couldn't even fit them all into today's Green News report. So we'll get we'll we'll fill you in on the one we didn't get to after you hear our latest Green News report. Another major hurricane gaining strength. Hurricane Willa off the west coast of Mexico with impacts that could be felt in Texas later this week. Mexico braces for powerful Hurricane Willa, and so does central Texas. September was the fourth hottest September ever recorded, plus... We're going to move on to climate change. I'll tell you, we receive more questions on this than any other topic. Climate change and clean energy are on the ballot in November and even in the debates. What are the odds? All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Unless we make drastic changes immediately, climate change will destroy the world for the next generation. Sorry, next generation. Let's see you fidget spin your way out of this one. (laughs) This is your Green News Report. Okie dokie, Desi Doyen. It looks like the hurricane season is not over yet. Not by a long shot. No, it is not. As we go to air, Mexico's west coast is bracing for landfall from powerful Hurricane Willa, which the National Hurricane Center warned on Monday had seen, quote, explosive, rapid intensification all the way up to a Category 5. Well, that sounds familiar. Yes, rapid intensification is linked to global warming. Willa is forecast to weaken before landfall in western Mexico on Tuesday before moving north to bring even more rain into an already flooded central Texas. And some of the weather guys I follow very closely on Twitter are looking at this storm and thinking that these remnants in Texas could make their way to the East Coast combined with another storm. And we could be looking at a pretty big storm late in the week on the East Coast. September 2018 was the fourth hottest September on record globally. That's according to scientists at NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. That means that every September 
since 2013 has been ranked among the warmest Septembers ever recorded. NOAA also says that the period from January to September of this year was also the fourth warmest such period on record. 2018 as a whole is likely to be the fourth hottest year ever recorded, meaning that the four hottest years on record have all occurred in the last four years. The climate's changing. The climate always changes. That's what Republicans say. It is. Is it untrue? Well, the climate is changing. What matters is what makes it change. And this time, it's us. And this time, it's not taking millions of years. It's taking just a few decades. Yep. Meanwhile, in the crucial November 6th midterm elections... There's an election on November 6th? Yes, there's an election on November 6th. I hadn't heard. Climate change has finally become a real live question in debates. Last week, reporters pressed incumbent Republican Senator Ted Cruz on his denial of climate science in a Senate debate with Democratic nominee Congressman Beto O'Rourke. And, of course, Cruz said... Of course the climate is changing. The climate has been changing from the dawn of time. The climate will change as long as we have a planet Earth. Yes, he did. On Sunday, in a debate for the Florida governor's seat, Democratic nominee and Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum criticized both his Republican opponent, Representative Ron DeSantis, and the state's current Republican governor, Rick Scott, over their work to suppress the solar industry in the state, over their failure to address the root causes of record toxic algae blooms that have caused massive fish kills and hammered Florida's tourism industry, and over their failure to address rising sea levels caused by global warming. That's a lot of failure. Here's Gillum in Sunday's debate. What Florida voters need to know is that when they elect me governor, they're going to have a governor who believes in science, uh, which we haven't had for quite some time in this state. Uh, I'm not sure what is so California about believing that the state of Florida ought to lead in solar energy. Uh, We're known as a sunshine state. Uh, At the very least, what we can do is be a global leader here. Well, yes, they can, and Florida certainly should, given that they're feeling so many impacts from climate change. It's interesting, however, that both DeSantis and Cruz have charged that their Democratic opponents want to turn the state into California. Yeah, it's weird. What's so bad about California? It's fantastic out here, except for the wildfires and earthquakes, but... Anyway, And in the debate for the race for Virginia's 7th Congressional District, former CIA officer turned Democratic House candidate Abigail Spanberger debunked the multiple false claims of her opponent, the incumbent Republican Representative Dave Bratt, on environmental standards and clean energy. First world countries around the world have clean air and water because the government puts regulations in place to protect them. To say that the left doesn't understand growth is ridiculous because, in fact, when we invest in environmental policies, we see strong job growth. And renewable energy is also on the ballot. A new report from the Energy and Policy Institute finds that the utility industry is spending big for the November 6th midterm elections with large election-related donations to Republicans and right-wing dark money groups. Utility spending to Republican groups outstripped Democratic groups more than two to one. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website site at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. It's hilarious. Money, money, money.
But good news that uh, at least journalists are now asking about climate change in the debates. You can't expect the uh, the candidates to talk about it all by themselves, I guess. <laughs> Who know the public doesn't need to know about this kind of thing. Although I should say, I, I hope it sticks. I hope it stays through, you know, the next election and elections after that as well. Well, I think it probably will because these storms are getting worse and worse. As I said uh, before we uh, played the GNR, we talked about Hurricane Willa there, which is heading towards Mexico and Texas, etc. But there is another typhoon. It only just, to our credit, it only just became a typhoon. But it is a monster typhoon. Typhoon U2. U2. Not not YouTube, but YouTube. Y-U-T-U, and it's headed toward Guam. And right now it's and a category... And the Marianas Islands. And the Marianas Islands, and right now it's a Category 3. Could spin up to become a Category 5 monster. It's uh, huge. One, yeah. If you look at it on the map, it is a huge one. Geographically very big. This is happening all over the globe, and we will continue to cover the globe, to span the globe as best as we can. On our next thrilling broadcast, until then, my thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com or at whatever your favorite podcast site happens to be. Wherever you get it from, I hope you'll uh, leave a good word for us. Good review makes it a little easier for everyone else to find us. Uh, and uh, you know what? You uh, uh, Facebook has been dropping off their ratings uh, when they're too old, people who have given us five stars. So, hey, oh. if you're on Facebook, uh, give us a five-star rating or something, whatever yes. rating you want. Please do. Help spread the word. You can find us on the YouTubes and the Facebooks at the Brad Blog. And as ever, my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate. You guys are the ones who keep us on the air for good or bad or otherwise, and it is greatly appreciated. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate. You can make a one-time donation of any amount you like, or even better, you can sign up for a, a monthly subscription for any amount you like. We rely on you, not corporations or political groups. Just you, our listeners. Thank you. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Yeah.